Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send your spirit so that your word would be our delight this morning and that your laws would be our counsellors as we seek to live in righteousness before you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we continue our series in the book of Philippians and we've been looking at how this book has encouraged the church in Philippi. The, the Apostle Paul has been encouraging the church in Philippi to be unified, to stand as one man for the sake of the gospel. And he's given different instructions and different ideas as to how uh, they can think about the subject of church unity. And this morning we're going to start uh, looking at a particular disagreement that is in the church. Uh, well, we're going to look at it in full this morning, uh, Lord willing, uh, in verse 2. In verse 2 of Philippians chapter 4, uh, the Apostle Paul is dealing with two particular women that need to be reconciled, that need to be reconciled. Who are they? Well, we see in verse 2, he even names them. Uh, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Now, what's the problem between these two women, Euodia and Syntyche? We don't know. Uh, we aren't given any more details uh, than we've got in the verses that are before us, and so we don't know what the particular disagreement was about, uh, but we do know that it was serious enough that the Apostle Paul had heard about it whilst in a separate city long, long away, uh, far away, far, far away, and whilst the Apostle Paul was even in prison. Uh, he's isolated, he's over there in a, a distant city, and yet he's heard about Euodia, and he's heard about Syntyche, and he's heard that they're not getting along. So how is the Apostle Paul going to encourage these two women to unite, to unite once more? Well, the first thing he does is he pleads with them. We see the way he speaks to them in verse 2. He says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. He doesn't command them. He doesn't bark at them and say, I'm so angry with you too. He says, I plead with you. I exhort you. And I exhort, he says, I exhort Euodia and I exhort Syntyche, agree with each other in the Lord. Once again, we see that the Apostle Paul is a loving pastor to the people that are under his care. And we saw that last week, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. And we unpacked all the ways that the Apostle Paul is expressing his love to the church there. And he's doing it again. He's giving them a command, but he's doing it in a way that shows his love and concern for them, a pleading with them rather than a barking in order at them. But how else does he do it? How else is he going to get these two women to agree with one another? Well, he also gets help. He gets others to help uh, in pleading with him. We see that in verse 2, he said, uh, verse 3. But I'll read from verse 2. I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Verse 3 there, it opens with, yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow. There's someone in the church that he considers to be a loyal yoke fellow. And he's asking this person to help him with these two, two particular women. What does it mean that he's a loyal yoke fellow? Well, the idea of a yoke is a bar that would be put between two animals in a field and that would hold the animals together so that they can pull uh, in unison, that they don't, one animal goes that way, one animal goes that way, and then the plough doesn't go anywhere. That the idea is you put a yoke across the two animals to the two bulls and they would pull together uh, the plough and so they'd pull in unison. And so this person, who we don't know 
who he is, other than this reference here, Loyal Yoke Fellow. There's all kinds of conjecture as to who he is. And maybe even his name is Loyal Yoke Fellow. Uh, uh, well, Yoke Fellow, uh, in verse, and you can see the little letter A there. You drop down to the margin of the NIV translation, and it says, or Loyal Sygigus. Uh, this may be, that's the, literally what the Greek is. Uh, he may be playing on his name, but there's this idea that there's someone in the church who is pulling in the same direction as the Apostle Paul, who the Apostle Paul considers to be a fellow a unified person in the church who is pulling in the same direction. And so if that person is pulling in the same direction as the Apostle Paul, then he will also plead with Euodia and Syntyche to agree with one another. He will give the same help that Paul would give if Paul was there in the church. But of course, Paul is locked up in prison. What sort of help would that be? Well, we see the word help there in verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women. That word help there, uh, it could be translated as seize apprehend, arrest. And so it's even this idea of just grabbing the two women, bringing them together and getting them to agree with one another. Sort them out, plead with them, get them together in the same room and plead with them that they should be reconciled. So first way that he tries to reconcile these two women, the Apostle Paul, he pleads with them himself, but then he enlists the help of somebody else to plead with him, someone who pulls in the same direction as the Apostle Paul. But how else is he going to get these two women to agree with each other? Well, he reminds the women that they are on the same team. We see that in verse 3. He says, Yes, and I ask you, Lord Yokefellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. All through these verses, there's a, this little Greek word that can be added onto the front of uh, other Greek words, and it's this idea of with, 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 and it comes up again and again, all through it, that they would agree with each other. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, there's the idea of with there as well, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow with workers whose names are in the book of life. And even in this word that is uh, here translated as contended at my side, that same word with is there, and it's in reference to another word, that a Greek word that's used for athletes, used for people who would be in the arena uh, of the, the games that they would have, the Roman games. But it's the idea of a team, because it's a with word that's there, that's used. So it's with athletes. And that's what these people are, these, these two women. They are athletes who have been on the same team with the Apostle Paul. Verse 3, yes, and I ask you, Lord Yoke fellow, help these women who have contended or performed great athletic events at my side with me in the cause of the gospel. These women are being reminded by the Apostle Paul that they're on the same team. They have advanced the gospel with the Apostle Paul. And so therefore, they should remember that they're part of the same team. And what should happen then if they're part of the same team? Well, they shouldn't fight with each other. People on the same team don't fight with each other. Instead of elbowing each other, they're meant to be pressing forward, encouraging each other, supporting each other to go forward, not sideways into each other. Why? Because they want the prize. And what's the prize? Well, it's mentioned there in verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with other members of the team, Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. What's the prize? Life, eternal life. You're on the same team. Your names are written down as members of the same team and you're all going to receive eternal life together. And that's what matters here. Remember that, Euodia. Remember that, Syntyche, that you're on the same team. 
You're not enemies, you're not fighting with one another, and you're going in the same direction. What direction? Eternal life. So the Apostle Paul, he wants these two women to agree. How does he do it? He pleads with them. He gets somebody else, this loyal yoke fellow, to plead with them too. He reminds them that they're on the same team. And what else does he do? Well, he encourages them to agree, and to agree in the Lord. We see that in verse 2. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to agree with each other in the Lord. He does command them. You've got to agree with one another. What does it mean to agree? Well, this can be translated, as the King James has it, as be of the same mind. I want you to share the same mind. Or it can even be a reference to the idea of a same attitude. And that's how that word is actually translated back in chapter 2, verse 5. It says, your attitude, that's that same Greek word, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And so what is it that these two women have to do? Well, they have to have the same mind, the same attitude. And what sort of attitude should that be? Well, it should be the attitude that the Lord has. We see that in verse 2. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. In the Lord. I want you to have the same attitude as the Lord Jesus Christ did. What is that? Well, what was Christ's attitude? What did Christ show as his attitude back in chapter 2, 5 and following? It was an attitude of humility, an attitude of forgiveness. Chapter 2, verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is your attitude, Euodia. That is your attitude, Syntyche. You're meant to have the same kind of attitude as the Lord Jesus Christ, which means you're meant to be humble like him. You're meant to be forgiving like he was forgiving. He was willing even to be crucified, willing to be wrong, to forgive wrongs, to the point of being crucified himself. The Apostle Paul is not telling Euodia and Syntyche to agree in everything. When he says agree in the Lord, he's not saying you must sit down and you must sort things out to the point that you both agree, whatever the division was about. Could have been about somebody, could have been about one of themselves, it could have been about something, some sort of theological difference that they had about the Old Testament. They just couldn't reconcile each other about that matter. He doesn't say... You have to come to perfect agreement. All your theological differences must be solved. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I want you to agree in the Lord, which means just let things go. Not by saying that theology doesn't matter or whatever happened doesn't matter. Whatever sin Euodia caused against Syntyche or Syntyche may have caused against Euodia, yes, it matters. Okay, but... You've got to come to agreement in the Lord where you can just forgive each other and move on. Because that's what the Lord Jesus' attitude is towards us. Yes, our sin is serious. But he had an attitude of humility and forgiveness and let it go by covering it in his blood. And we should do the same at our church. We can learn a lot from Euodia and Syntyche and Paul's handling of the situation. What can we learn? Well, shouldn't we also plead with others who are warring with one another to reconcile? Don't bark orders at them. Don't get up in their face. But plead with them like the Apostle Paul did. Exhort them to reconcile. And shouldn't we get others to help us out? 
get loyal yoke fellows in the church who are pulling in the same direction as us to also plead with them. This is what the Apostle Paul teaches us to do. He tells us that when we see someone caught in sin, that we don't just keep it as a private matter if we can't reconcile it, we get other people to help out. It's in that passage in Matthew chapter 18 that the Lord Jesus instructs us how to do this. Turn with me now to that passage. It's a very important passage, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 17. It's found on page 974. 974. Matthew chapter 18, reading from verse 15. Clear instructions, clear guidance from the Lord Jesus himself as to what you do when you've got a problem with a brother. Verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, if you can't get Euodia and Syntyche at Ramoyne Baptist to get along, what are you supposed to do? Verse 16, but if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Get some other people involved. Get some loyal yoke fellows alongside you to plead with them. Come on, you two, you have to sort it out. And if they won't listen to you then, what do you do? Get a whole bunch of loyal yoke fellows. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. We are given instruction here by the Lord Jesus to get other people involved. Just as the apostle Paul wanted loyal yoke fellow, whoever he was, to get involved with Euodia and Syntyche, we should do the same. And we've got grounds from the Apostle Paul's example, but we've also got grounds from the Lord Jesus himself here in teaching us about how church discipline should be accomplished. But how else? If we've grabbed them two, to get the two of them and we've tried to get them to reconcile and we can't do it, what else should we do? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us another idea. Back in chapter 4, verse 3, he says, yes, and I ask you, Lord, your fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. We've got to tell these women, or two people in our church, who aren't getting along, that they're on the same team. They've contended with us in the cause of the gospel. They're on the same team. And aren't we then all meant to be team players, straining forward, not elbowing each other, at the side. We don't run sideways and bash into one another. We run forward and we encourage each other. We help one another. We're running as a team towards eternal life. I don't watch much of the Olympics, generally speaking, but it starts to dominate the news. Even last year, we had our Olympic Games. It's delayed a year or so. But it gets into the newspapers and so, of course, because I try to keep up to date with what's going on in the world, I then see some of the articles and some of the most things that are outstanding. And there was something about an Australian athlete in the decathlon. There were two of them. They were basically the decathlon, from my understanding, is there's 10 events and you get points for each event. And there were these two athletes and they were in the race at the end and they were in that race together. And one of them knew that no matter what he did, he couldn't get a medal. Uh, but he knew his friend, if he pushed hard enough, and, and did well in that final race, he would get a medal. And so the friend stuck with his friend, who was going to, if he ran harder, would get that medal. And he stuck there and he screamed. He didn't care about his, his 
position in the race. He cared about his friend's position and he screamed at him to keep going, keep going, keep going. You can get a medal if you just keep going. He, 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 he forgot about himself and just cared about his fellow teammate, his, his other athlete in the race, another Australian runner. And shouldn't that be what we do with one another? Maybe not scream at each other, but we beg other people on the same team. Do you realise what you're doing? Do you realise that you are hindering your walk towards heaven? Keep your eyes on the prize. Get along. Sort things out. Stop elbowing each other and run for that prize of eternal life. Because that's what we should keep in mind at all times. That puts things into perspective. When you think of eternity, that puts whatever disagreement you've got with somebody in total perspective. Just ask yourself the question, in a hundred years' time, who will care about whatever you've got a difference with somebody else? hundred years' time, no one's going to even know probably much about you existing, let alone the disagreement you had with one another. Other than any memory may have of such things in glory. Euodia and Syntyche go down in history. People remember them. But we don't remember what they were disagreeing about. But you think about the prize. You think about the prize and it puts things into perspective. And we should make sure that they're getting on in our church. Why? Because if we're all on the same team, when people start to have disagreements, it disrupts the whole church. People say, oh, it's not our business. Euodia and Syntyche, not your business. But it disrupts the whole team. What happens if two people in front of you in a race are starting to elbow and push and shove each other around and you're right behind them? Good chance you're going to stumble and fall over the, the clowns in front of you as they're having a fight. And they're on the same team. They're on your team. And so it is our business to get involved and remind the people we're on the same team. Keep your eye on the prize not on one another. So we can follow the Apostle Paul's example. When we see disagreements in the church, we can plead with them. We can get others involved to plead with them. We can remind them that they're on the same team. But what should we do most of all? We should tell them to agree in the Lord. Remember, that's what the Apostle Paul told Euodia and Syntyche. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree, have the same attitude as the Lord, to agree in the Lord. What's the best thing we can tell people who are fighting? We can remind them of the cross. Remind them of Jesus Christ and his attitude towards those who disagreed with him, to those who were fighting with him in their sin. We can tell people that we should remember the love of God and be willing to be wronged as he was willing to be wronged by those who crucified him, by us who are involved in his crucifixion, in his death, so that we could go free. This is what we should be reminding people of. Better to be wronged and come to some sort of agreement than to try and prove that you are in the right. That's what the Apostle Paul instructs the church in Corinth to do. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, page 1131. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'll read from verse 1. So he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he knows that there's disputes going on within the church, that people are fighting with one another. He doesn't name them like 
Euodia and Syntyche. I feel a little sorry for Euodia and Syntyche. They go down in history, their names are there in the, <laughs> in the Bible. And so we all know about them even today somewhat. But in Corinth, he didn't speak specifically in this passage about people. He didn't name names. But he gives some instruction as to how we can deal with conflict. Chapter 6, verse 1, page 1131 of 1 Corinthians. If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? He's saying, in your church, you've actually got lawsuits that are going before pagan courts, secular courts. They couldn't sort it out in the church, so they actually were suing each other in the secular court. He says, don't you know that you will judge angels? Not quite sure what that means, but aren't some of you competent to work out your differences? And then he continues in verse 4. Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges even men of little account in the church. Even the smallest of you should be able to deal with things. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? That you've got to go to unbelievers, to an unbelieving judge, to sort out believers' disagreements. But instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. He says, better to be wronged, better to be cheated for the sake of reconciliation and for the sake of not going before pagan courts. That's what it means to have the same mind, to have the same attitude to agree in the Lord. It means someone's got to be big enough or small enough, have the humility to let something go, to be wronged, to be harmed, to even be cheated for the sake of reconciliation, for the sake of the team, so that everyone presses forward. And we see an example of that in the Old Testament with Abraham and Lot. That passage that we had read for us, Genesis chapter 13. Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen were getting out of sorts and Abraham and Lot could end up disagreeing about things as well. So what did they do? They split ways. Lot chose the nice parts of the, the, the countryside for his herdsmen, for his herds. And Abraham got the not-so-nice parts. Abraham was being wronged by a younger man, wasn't he? Abraham let it go. He let it go so that there would be agreement in the Lord. So there really is no need for divisions within the church, is there? Why? Because we're running a race as a team. As a team. We have coaches pleading with us to reconcile and run well together. Who are the coaches? The apostles, like the Apostle Paul, and the prophets. They're there always telling us to be reconciled with one another, to live well together and run on the same team. We have fellow teammates who are there to help us reconcile and run well together too. Who are they? Fellow Christians. They're there to help us sort out our difference. Even those of little account in the church should be able to help us run together, exhort us to run well together on the same team. We don't just have the coaches, the apostles and the prophets. We don't just have other teammates, other Christians. We also have a captain of the team who sets a wonderful example for us as to how we are to agree with one another. Who is that? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
He is the one who has shown us how to be wronged and let it go. To have reconciliation, to have forgiveness, even when it hurts. So if you can't reconcile, if you can't let go of something that another Christian has done to you, if you can't forgive, what does that mean? You've got to ignore the coaches. You've got to ignore the apostles. You've got to ignore the prophets. You've got to ignore the other Christians, the other teammates on the team. And they're pleading with you to be reconciled. And you've got to ignore the Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of the team. You've got to ignore his example, his work at the cross, for you to follow. And what would that mean? It puts into jeopardy whether you're part of the team at all. Whether you're in the race at all. And therefore, whether you will get the prize. And what was the prize? Eternal life. If you're ignoring the coaches, if you're ignoring the other members of the team, if you're ignoring the captain, it puts into question where you stand. The Apostle Paul is very kind to these two women, Euodia and Syntyche. He doesn't say, oh, you're not in the book of life now. He says that they're in the book of life. But it does call into question if the quarrel goes on long enough and serious enough. And if Euodia and Syntyche had ignored the Apostle's Paul instructions here in this letter, they call into question whether they're in the race at all, whether their names are actually in the book of life. If that is you, if you have a disagreement with somebody, what should you do? If you see war in your life with someone rather than peace, what should you do? Well, go to the Lord. Look at the cross. Ask God for forgiveness because it's as we experience his love that we love others. As we experience his reconciliation with us, we will reconcile with others. We love because he first loved us. And so if you have a problem with someone that you can't get over, go to the cross first and foremost. Don't go to that person. Go to the cross. Experience the love of God in your life. Know that then you are part of the race. You have eternal life. Your name is written in the book of life. And then there will be a natural inclination to go to others and be reconciled with them. You will want to love because you have first been loved. If you're tired of fighting with someone and you have tried to reconcile and you can't get that reconciliation, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness and then find the love overwhelming. Your cup will overflow with love towards that person. And then go and be reconciled with your brother and sister. And then what? Well, be a team player. Be a team player. How? Listen to the coaches. Regularly listen to the coaches. Who are the coaches in the team? The apostles and the prophets. They're the ones who are there to exhort us and to encourage us. As you read the apostles and the prophets regularly, you will regularly be reminded to reconcile with others. It just happens. The apostle Paul is an example. All over the place, you just see commands and commands and commands and teaching after teaching that we should be reconciled with one another. I was just reminded recently as I've been trying to memorize 2 Timothy chapter 2 and there's just this wonderful passage there that I felt uh, because Timothy's written to a pastor uh, by the Apostle Paul and it was a wonderful example for me to follow as a pastor of a church whenever I have a, a, something in my mind against someone. Look with me now, 2 Timothy chapter 2. The Apostle Paul, page 1179. 1,179, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. 
So this is the Apostle Paul writing to the young man, Timothy, a fellow teacher of the church. Verse 22, 2 Timothy, page 1179. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because they, you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. There's a coach right there telling you how to get on with your team. Verse 25, those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. There, yes, you can see that there's differences that we will have. But what should you do? You should gently instruct and pray that God will grant them repentance. If you're regularly reading the Apostle Paul, you can't help but miss these things. You can't miss them. They're always going to be there, jumping out at you. Whenever you've got even a, the beginning of a problem with somebody else, you see, oh, I'm not supposed to quarrel. I'm supposed to be kind to everyone. I'm not supposed to be resenting others. And pop, the problem goes away in your mind with that other person. You no longer resent them because the coach has told you don't resent that person on your team. How else? Can you be a team player? Well, be close to the other team members so that they will help you, including help bring peace when you're out of sorts with somebody else in the church. Yes, you may be a Christian and you're running the race with all Christians on earth who have signed up, but be part of a local team, a local church. Why? So Christians will help you, other Christians will help you quickly and abundantly. Yes, if you're not part of a local church and you're a Christian, another Christian may help you if they see you in uh, struggling but they won't help you to the same extent and necessarily as quickly as if you are already committed to a body of local believers, a local team, and they know you well. And so, of course, when you're struggling, they will be there quickly and with great help, a lot of help, rather than a little bit of help, if you're not part of a local team. They'll be the ones who lovingly discipline you, as commanded in Matthew chapter 18. They will take care of you. Whereas if you're not part of a local team, you won't get that discipline, that loving church discipline that we see in Matthew 18. Then how else can we be a good team player? We listen to the coaches, the apostles and the prophets. We listen to other team members. We commit to a local team so that they're there to help us when we need it. How else can we be a team player? Well, we listen to the captain. We listen to, the, to Christ and have his mindset all the time. If we're close to the Lord... We can't bear grudges against other people, people who are part of his body. We can't. We should draw close to him. How? We should meditate upon the captain's sacrifice at the cross. We regularly meditate upon the Lord and who he is, and particularly his act of kindness, his great act of love at the cross. Then, of course, we'll be willing to reconcile. We'll have his attitude, same mind as Christ. And we should pray. What should we pray? Well, we should ask the Holy Spirit to help us to know Christ better, to know his sacrifice better, to understand the depths of Christ's love shown at the cross. And we should pray prayers of confession. If you are regularly confessing your sin, then you must be regularly looking at the cross for forgiveness of sin. And therefore, you are going to have 
a more humble attitude towards others that have sinned against you. And how else can you have that Christ-like mindset? Well, practice being sacrificial in your life on a regular basis, on a daily basis. How? Well, not fighting about the dishes, the dirty dishes, requires humility and sacrifice. Sometimes it's not your dirty dish that's on the counter. You can have a fight with someone who didn't put away what they were meant to. They were meant to put it in the dishwasher. Or you can just be humble and put it away for them. You can put it there, you can wash it, you can clean up. That's a Christ-like mindset. You're being wronged by somebody else who's not pulling their weight, but you're willing to let it go. And if you do that, you bite your tongue on a regular basis. When the big problems come along, when wrongs that are far greater than dirty dishes come along, you'll have practiced biting your tongue more often, and so you'll be able to bite your tongue with the big problems too. Because you practice a Christ-like mindset regularly day and daily so that you're able to practice it when the big problems come along as well. Children, start when you're young having that kind of attitude, the Christ-like attitude. You know who you can practice with? Your brothers and sisters. You can practice while you're young with your brothers and sisters to bite your tongue, have humility and be wronged by them and let it go. And then when you go into adulthood, it'll be far easier for you, which is why we want to be team players, isn't it? Why do we want to be team players? Well, we'll run more efficiently towards heaven and with far greater joy, far, far greater joy than if we're like Euodia and Syntyche and fighting with one another. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's speak with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God of peace and we thank you for reconciling man to God and man to man through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. Oh Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for our fighting our elbowing of other runners in the race towards heaven. Help us, O God, by the power of the Spirit, to agree with each other in the Lord and help one another agree in the Lord. And help us to be close to the apostles and prophets. Help us to be close to other church members and help us to be close to the Lord Jesus so that we run as a team toward heaven with exceeding joy. And we pray this in his name. Amen.